Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Happy Halloween, Tiger fans. Uh, welcome back to Rockham Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Hope you all had a tremendous Halloween. Hope you all got all the candy that you wanted or your kids got all the candy that you wanted because Missouri football is sitting on the front porch handing out poopy-flavored lollipops. BK, uh, how are you feeling? Not great, Nate. Not great. Um... That was a flat-out bleep kicking, man. Yep. I mean, yep. kind of the way that I felt after the Kentucky game where it was 20-10, to 10 and I said that score is not indicative of how much Missouri kicked the crap out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way, but the opposite about this game. 41-17 to 17 is not representative of how terribly Florida beat Missouri on the field on Saturday night. Yeah. They just, in every way, shape, or form, dominated that football mm-hmm. game. Larry Roundtree, 14 carries for 36 yards. Um, The offensive line, a complete disaster. The defense, just all night long, missing tackles left and right. I mean, it was everything that could go wrong for Missouri did go wrong for Missouri. The fourth quarter stats, don't even look at them. Don't pay attention to them. Missouri finished the fourth quarter with 126 yards. They had 122 yards through the first three quarters. Mm -hmm. That fourth quarter was trash. It was garbage time. It did not matter. The game was completely out of hand at that point. Through three quarters, 
Missouri threw the ball 22 times. They completed 13 of those passes. They had 88 yards. I mean, I <laughs> they averaged four yards per attempt, man. It, mm. They had 43 yards on penalties through the first three quarters and 33 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. They were penalized more than they were effective on the ground. It, it was embarrassing. That was a, a brutal, brutal performance in every possible way. And a game that I really thought Missouri had a real chance to be able to show a little something. It doesn't take away from what they did against LSU, and it does not take away from what they did against Kentucky, but it definitely leaves a sour taste in Mizzou fans' mouth going into this bye week. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I, you're Exactly. This This is... This doesn't take away the LSU win, which LSU is a trash team this year, but we'll maybe talk about that some other time. Um, doesn't take away that that win. Doesn't take away the Kentucky win. Those things still happen. Those things are still good. Um, really, it doesn't for me, it doesn't change the season at all. Like, at all. Um, Missouri was always going to be a not super great team with a brand new coaching staff trying to make it through an SEC, an all SEC schedule. Um, the types of wins that we've gotten and in the manner that we did, it kind of gives us some hope and I don't want to take any of that away either, but um, this was not a, we're going to win the East year. This was not, Oh, Hey, we're going to for sure, you know, make it to 500 or even better. Um, that's, that's not what was on the table. What was on the table was proof of concept, develop some young players, find a quarterback, um, and show proof of concept as far as culture taking hold, um, as far as progress from the younger guys or the older guys showing that, yes, Drinkwitz can install an offense, and yes, this defense can be good. That's Those are the only goals on the table uh, as, as far as just starting the season and then ending the season. Uh, and this does not change that. But, you know, you beat LSU, you beat Kentucky, you start getting stars in your eyes like, oh, we can we control our own destiny. And you can't help but your mind wander to that place. And... When you have that dream and then you wake up from that dream with a very cold splash of water, sometimes it's jarring. But as much as this loss sucks, like, to me, this season's still fine. What do you think? Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, And let's start there because it's easy to get down after a game like that. And you should be down after a game like that. But being down after a game like that means that you had expectations. And that's, that's kind of part of this, right, is... I, I mean, I'll be honest here. I put a bet. My buddy lives in Vegas. I told him, hey, you mind putting a bet down for me? I put a bet down on Mizzou on the money line tonight because I thought Mizzou had a real shot to win this game. I really did going into it. And I don't think I was wrong about that. They just played really poorly. I think if you play that game 100 times, maybe Mizzou wins it 10, 20 times. But they definitely don't lose it every time. Um, and they certainly, in terms of the way that they lost it in this particular game, I think that is, like, if you look at the range of outcomes, among the worst of all possible ranges of outcomes. They played really bad, man. <laughs> Connor Bazelik, this was his first bad performance since he's taken over. It was. Mm-hmm. He, he was not good. The offensive line was an abject failure in this yep. game. The defense, and if you don't mind, let, let's kind of start there sure. with our breakdown of this one, because there's a lot more probably on the offensive <laughs> side of things than there is on the defense. Agree. Um, the, the defense was not good. That being said, I I didn't expect them to be great against Florida. Their offense is objectively really good. And I said during the Tuesday podcast that we did, hey, if Kyle Trask is out, okay, maybe that changes some things. If Pitts is out, maybe that changes some things. But if those two guys are playing, 
That's going to be a really difficult proposition for Mizzou. Yeah. And it was. They really struggled to be able to defend Pitts. They really struggled to be able to defend the offense as a whole, frankly. And in the end, Florida finished that game with, I'm going through this right now, one, two, three, four, five, six plays through the air of at least 30 yards. Mm -hmm. They added one, two, three, four more plays on the ground of at least 15 yards. They were just really explosive. And a lot of those plays, Nate, were broken tackles or missed tackles by Mizzou's defenders. And I think that was the most disappointing part was they weren't sound fundamentally mm -hmm. in this game. The run fits weren't good. The tackling was really poor. There were like three or four plays in the first half where nobody decided to defend the running back out of the backfield. <laughs> that just can't happen. That That's stuff that is day one install. And that's, I think that's what was most disappointing for me is not, it's not that Florida beat them offensively. That, that was always going to happen. Florida's a really good offense. It was the manner in which it took place. Yeah. You know, it, I think the biggest thing for, for Florida's offense is that they remember that they had Kadarius Tony, And, you know, coming into this, this game in particular, uh, Tony had 24 targets, 18 catches, 237 yards, uh, and then he had five rushes for 60 yards. That's it, over three games. This game he had three rushes for 23 yards, so nearly doubled up what he did on the season. And he also had four catches for 60 yards. Um, basically, that's one, adding one-fourth of his total yardage in one game. So, you know, th they just remember they had him. And they realized that other than Nick Bolton, they didn't have Missouri didn't have anybody who could stop him, who could hang with him. Um, he's He is a rich man's Tyler Beatty. And he gashed us appropriately. So that's that's really the thing for me. Yeah, Pitts got his. Um, you know, Trayvon Grimes had some big, a couple of big catches. But going through this, it was either Pitts or Tony, and that's it. And, and of course, Kyle Trask surprisingly going for forty-seven yards on the ground when he had entered <laughs> entered this game with a grand total of forty-three yards on the ground uh, for the entire season. So. And a few of those were big, especially like mm -hmm. I think there were two third down carries. That, that first he possession had of the third quarter, one. yeah. Uh quarterback keepers yeah. that went pretty pretty far. Um so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. They they utilized Tony like they hadn't um all year, which I mean again on the on the broadcast, on the second crappiest broadcast in a row. Um Oh god, that was all we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. Uh they said that Eli Drake was told like, Hey, look, you know, the Kadarius Tony is an eraser. Right, whatever deficit you put the Gators in, he erases it, and they had no answer for the guy. Um, I thought Pitts was relatively quiet for most of it. At least his damage was not as felt as Tony's. Um, but yeah, defensively, this this stunk it up, and you know, even losing Trey Williams didn't really matter. Um, they just did not have an answer for whatever Florida was throwing at them. Which again, most teams this year are going to be able to say. So this is not a unique Missouri problem. Yeah, and, and Pitts did most of his damage in the first quarter. He had a 19-yard catch, a 10-yard catch, and then a 32-yard catch oh, yeah. pretty yeah. early all in the first quarter. Um, and, and it seemed like he was, I don't know if he was hurt or banged up or I, I don't know what there was there, but he missed like a series or two kind of in the second quarter. So I'm guessing they just put him on ice mm -hmm. basically in the second half because they knew, I mean, that, that game was over at halftime more or less. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
the defense, it was what it was, and it wasn't about the numbers. It wasn't about Florida putting up 41. It was about the manner in which it took place, and you're right. They just... Florida has really elite-level talent. They have blue-chip talent on that side of the ball, and the blue-chip talent is what beats you, and sometimes that just happens, right? The offense is where the frustrating part happened mm-hmm. because the O-line, let's start oh, there. Oh, God. I know that they're without a couple of starters. They were with, what, three starters on the offensive line tonight? Uh, Boren was out, Delgado was out, and Powell's swapped out with Lawrence. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you're without like two starters and then you're figuring out what you're doing at left tackle, which has been the case all year. It was just really, really bad. And man, this isn't a Florida defense that's supposed to look like that. Florida has not been good defensively this year. We talked about that leading into this game. They gave up 35 points against Ole Miss and Ole Miss put up all kinds of yardage. Ole Miss is a really good offense, but they put up all kinds of yardage against them. South Carolina had a decent day offensively, put up 24 against them. Texas A&M put up a really good day, 41 against that defense. This has not been a good defense so far this season, and Missouri's offense could do nothing Mm -hmm. against them. They had, I I don't know what the final numbers were in terms of sacks against Mizzou. It was like three or four, I think. They ended up with three on the game. It felt like they could have had 12. Uh, They ended up with six hurries in that game as well and six tackles for loss. It felt like they were behind Mizzou's line of scrimmage all night long. Mm -hmm. And that was in the running game. That was in the passing game. There were no lanes for Roundtree to be able to find. He had a couple of runs where it was like a minor miracle that he got a yard out (laughs) of it. I know. It was just, that's the worst performance we've seen from the Mizzou offensive line. And I'm counting Alabama in that. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, Alabama... Got got a couple pressures, got a couple sacks. Did not do it regularly. Uh, these guys just got beat. And like coming into this game, Florida, uh, the stuff rate on their defense, like the amount of times they hit a runner in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage, was like almost the worst in the country. Eighty fourth, only thirteen percent of the time. Their sack rates, uh, it was like fifty eighth in the country, only five point nine percent. Three sacks over forty three. Uh, well, if we're counting sacks, it'd be forty three. Um, passes that's a 6.9 percent sack rate that's that's almost a full percentage better in a single game that you than you've done the entire season that shouldn't happen (laughs) that shouldn't happen the fact that you're stuffing runs like at at the rate you did like certainly better than what they have been doing at 13 percent i guarantee is probably 20 percent at this point you can't do that um not you know not if you want to win now keep in mind missouri's stuff rate on the year against kentucky it was 19 percent Against LSU, it was 17%. Uh, same for Tennessee, it was 17%. And against Alabama, it was 35 So Missouri has a propensity to let defenses do this. Um, but also keep in mind, especially against Kentucky, they were only running the ball. Um, against Florida, they weren't doing it all as often. You know, 40 passes is what they're trying to do. And Florida doesn't give up big plays, and that just kind of felt like what they kept doing. And then the running game couldn't supplement it in any sort of way. So... The end. Well, you know, if, if Todd Grantham can get pressure with three guys, he'll do that all day, and then you have nothing to do because this defense, even with their backups, is still very talented. Sure, and it, that's that's exactly what they did. Connor Bazelek, like I said, was not good. He was not effective early. There was at least three throws that I can remember from the first half, and I think it might have even been all in the first quarter where he, he threw it into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
it, it was throws where he didn't have to. It's not. I'm not talking about like a screenplay that was busted up. He had nowhere to go with it, and he's throwing it into the ground to just have an easy release valve and just live to fight another day. Yeah. I'm talking like he was throwing to a receiver that was covered, but he, he could have hit him and gained positive yardage by doing so, and it falls like two yards in front of the receiver and hits the ground and bounces up into their chest. That's not what we've seen from Connor Bazelik in his first couple of starts, and really since he stepped onto a field last year against Arkansas, that's not what we've seen from him. He just wasn't very accurate at times, so that was a little bit weird. He was under duress much of the game, and he did not deal with it particularly well. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird game, man, and then you go over to the receivers, and the drops came back. Jalen Knox dropping what should have been a touchdown pass. It can't happen. It's got to get fixed. Damon Hazleton dropping, I believe it was a second down when he dropped mm -hmm. it, but um, it was like a, a slant across the middle. Or no, it was a, it was a third down maybe even. Um, should should have had that. And it, it was just bad all day long in terms of what the receivers were able to get accomplished today. Yeah. Just just nothing going. Um I mean, if you had any doubt in your mind that Larry Borum was our best offensive lineman, there's your answer. Uh, Xavier Delgado is pretty good, too. And after, you know, spending an entire game not being noticed, Dylan Spencer was not super great this uh, this week. But that was true for everybody on the line. Um, they just could not pick up the pressure correctly. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, someone was making the wrong protection calls if you know the Florida's defensive line was just that good but they were slicing through everything uh just kind of looked every every other play the runner was met in the backfield or you know juking a guy before he even got the ball and and what didn't help was it felt like Bazelak um on those keepers like whether he decided to to give it or keep it on the reads uh just either made the wrong choice or held on to it too long uh, causing some delays in the running back getting going or a fumble uh, towards the end of the, the first half there. And it just, <laughs> again, Florida wasn't doing anything, you know, uh, anything creative or unique. It just rushed three and, and disrupt with three, and that was it. And, um, God, you can't you can't give a talented team like that the, that kind of luxury or else they're just going to keep squeezing on you, and that's it. If you would have told me before the game, Larry Roundtree is going to finish the game as your leading pass catcher. Yeah. He had six catches in the game for 26 yards, which is just awful. Mm. I mean, it, not on Roundtree's part. He caught six of the seven passes that he was targeted on. That's all you can ask for from yeah. him. But 4.3 yards per per catch, I mean, that's, that's bad, man. Um, but there was one guy that I wanted to get to because we've talked about him a lot, <laughs> and he has been – he was the single most hyped up player for Mizzou going into the season, and I want to be very clear here. I am not criticizing the person. I am not. Be, I, I don't. I'm not crushing Kiki Chisholm. Um, I, I'm glad he's at Mizzou. I hope he gets his grad degree at Mizzou. I hope he goes on to do unbelievable things. But Kiki Chisholm is not the player that we were sold in preseason. He's just not. Going into the fourth quarter tonight, going into actually the final drive tonight by Mizzou, he had one completion, uh, he was targeted three times, and he had eight yards through the air. <laughs> it's pretty much what he's been so far this year. Yeah. Um, Chisholm is not a guy that gets any separation. He 
had he finished the game if you look at the actual numbers five for 68 that's going to look impressive if you watched this game till the very end you saw how that all happened it was garbage time and again this is not a shot against the kid i'm glad he's at mizzou i wish nothing but the best for him i would not be opposed to seeing more of barrett banister on the outside mm-hmm. i would not be opposed to seeing more of towski dove on the outside mm-hmm. i would not be opposed to seeing more of boo smith on the outside I think all three of those guys have been more effective and more productive with their opportunities this year than we've seen from Kiki Chisholm thus far. He doesn't block well while running. If he did, he would have been in on the second half of the Kentucky game. He doesn't catch the ball with regularity outside of the fourth quarter against Florida when we're already down by 20. Um, He doesn't get separation. He could not separate from Florida's third-string corners all night. They tried a couple deep bombs with him, which I always thought, you know, hey, this is probably more his his speed here. Uh, could not get separation, could not get hands on the ball, even if he was, you know, a, a full inch, two inches taller than his uh, than his respective defender. Um, so I, I don't know what he does. I don't know what he does well. Um, his teammates certainly thought that he was awesome. Uh, during the fall camp, everybody always asked, hey, can you tell us about uh, a guy who's under the radar who might be making a big impact this year? To a man. They all said Kiki Chisholm. Uh, the very first press conference with Eli Drinkwitz in July, we sat around and talked about COVID and talked about handling the team. And at the very end, he closed and said, I'm really disappointed that you guys didn't ask me about our players, including Kiki Chisholm, who's going to surprise you all. Well, Coach, he's surprising us, surprising us with how terrible he's been. And I don't know if that's scheme. I don't know if that's design. I don't know if that's talent. I don't know what it is. But a guy who had over 2,500 yards in, uh, in Angelo State, um, can't hasn't even cracked a hundred in f- five games at Mizzou, and he's run you know probably at this point he's probably run about ninety hundred routes. Uh, his targets are way below that. His receptions are even lower below that. So I don't know at this point. I'm with you. Let's have some younger guys get in there. Uh, Chris Abrams Drain can't catch a punt. Let's see if he can catch a pass. Right, Jay Macklin somewhere out there. Let's see what he can do. Uh, I just. I think the experiment's gone on long enough. I don't think Kiki's a guy who wants to stick around for another year, uh, even though that he can come back. And I'd really like to see some other guys get a chance. Uh, like you mentioned, Dove, Bannister, really just anybody. Yeah, I mean, Dove, Bannister, and Smith would be the three guys that I would want to see. I mean, they they, they proved yeah. it. They, they have proven it so far this year. When they are targeted, they have been productive. Towski Dove again today, not a great day, but – Two receptions, 17 uh, yards on three targets. When he is targeted, he, more often than not, catches the football. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Barrett Bannister. When that dude is targeted, he's going to catch the football if it is within his reach. And far too often so far this year, first of all, Kiki Chisholm just not been targeted because he's not getting open. And when he has been targeted too often, he's not catching it. And so it's just, I, I don't, again, like you said, I don't know if that is the scheme when he's in the game, the way that he is being utilized. I don't know if that is his inability to create separation from the defenders. I I don't know what is leading to this, but I was expecting something different than what we have seen thus far. And it's been really disappointing relative to expectations that this is the kind of production that they're getting out of him. And I, I hope it gets better. Maybe he's going to be able to prove us wrong and he comes out against Georgia and has an unbelievable game and is everything they could have asked for and then some. I hope that's what he does. That's that's what we would all like to mm-hmm. see. 
but I mean, we're halfway through the season now and we haven't seen it yet. So I, I did see it from Towski Dove. I did see it from Boo Smith against LSU. I saw Towski Dove in there late in the game against Kentucky when they needed somebody to block. I, I frankly think that Towski Dove deserves more opportunities. And I would like to see him get those opportunities against Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt down the stretch. Yeah, criticism does not equate, you know, rooting for failure, right? You criticize because you see something that you like and you want it to be better, right? And coaching is actually developing that. We we can't coach, so we criticize. Uh, but it's not that we want this kid to fail. We just want to make sure that he does well uh, and meet the expectations that were placed upon him, and so far he's not. And if that's something that he's not going to do, then we need to expand our repertoire and get some other guys out there who can do better, and, and this is the season to do that. Uh, so if he's siphoning away snaps from kids who could develop and get better, that's not a great thing. Um, we want him to do well, but we also want the team to do well long-term, and that's how you do that. So, um, yeah, that that's it. Uh, as far as play calling, I mean, we we praised Drink for his ability to, to pick on LSU's secondary, uh, which everyone does now. Uh, and then we, we, we credited him for going ground and pound against Kentucky. Uh, BK, what, what was what was the game plan against Florida? I'm not totally sure what they were looking for. See, the funny thing is I actually thought the play calling and the play designs on the second drive yes, that Mizzou second had drive was, good. was really yeah. good. Really good. Uh, it, it looked awesome. And there were a couple of really creative play calls. There was one that was the reverse to Jalen Knox really well designed um and then you got further and further into the game and it was like there's no cohesion here i mean one thing that drinkwitz has done really really well so far this year is he'll show you one thing early and then he adds an element to it later and then he goes play action off of that later and it's the sequencing of the play calls right it's not just the design it's not just the play calls but it's when he's calling that specific play and how the design plays off of something that the defense has already seen so their eyes are deceiving them. They're seeing one thing and it ends up being another. I didn't feel like we saw a lot no, of that tonight. No. And it, it wasn't a game where there was any sort of like, okay, this, and, and part of this might be this simple. Nothing worked. Yeah. And so they tried to find, okay, what can we do that is going to work here? And they never really found it. They One thing that we heard so often um probably two or three years ago when Hypel was maybe three or four now years ago when Hypel was the OC is it was all about getting that first first down mm -hmm. right once they got that first first down they were able to go into that tempo and that's when things really started getting going I don't think that's always the case with this offense they're not going up at that high octane speed that they did under Josh Hypel, and thank god for that <laughs> yeah but there is something to that of seeing some success early, especially on any specific drive, and being able to capture that and build off of that. And Mizzou wasn't able to do that enough to, uh, against Florida to really be able to capitalize on anything. Yeah. I, I, I always go off if I'm really curious, like, okay, I want to see your scripted plays, which tend to be the first drives, uh, the first half and the second half. And then your ad hoc plays, like okay, now we're off book a little bit. I'm improving. I'm going off of sequencing, of, you know, fields stuff like that. And yeah, the first two drives of the first two halves were bad. If 
very, very bad. Didn't make a lot of sense. And I, I'm going to have to go back and see, like, was it execution or just, you know, what, what, why were they bad? But that's all I have in my head right now because I've only watched it one time. A uh, couple of things worked. You know, they started to get more motion as they were going through. It kind of seemed like more of a panic move than anything. Oh, let's get some motion. Get back in the groove there. Um, but it just, there. I think you nailed it. Nothing worked. It doesn't matter what you're sequencing. It doesn't matter what you're scripting. It didn't work. And I think it all starts with the offensive line buoys out to, you know, the receivers dropping balls and Basilak making poor decisions. Um, all of it, it just kind of felt like, you know, we cashed in all our luck and it all came tumbling down. And this is just a good reminder that uh, even though he is a second year redshirt freshman, Connor Basilak is still a freshman. Um, now that that's, that's sometimes easy to forget the way that he's able to play and compose himself. Um, and then here's the other thing. This is the second road game. It was the second road game for Mizzou. On the season so far, um, If you, it, yeah, I'm the advanced analytics guy, but I'm going to go really simple on you here. On the season, Missouri has been outscored 124 to 96. 124 to 96. At home, they've been outscored 89 to 84. On the road, they've been outscored 76 to 29. Um, so if it's a road home split, I don't know, but, um, this is only the second road game with the freshman quarterback and it's a relatively young team. Guess what? Stuff like this happens. It was bugaboo last year too. You know, at Wyoming, we're all going to remember that one. And then you go down the stretch and we all wondered what the heck happened to this team. Well, they went on the road from Wyoming to Ole Miss last year. That, that schedule where they started to look good. All at home. home against West Virginia, yep. home against SEMO, home against South Carolina, home against Troy, home against Ole Miss, all home games. They go on the road at Vandy and look awful. They go on the road against Kentucky and look like they didn't show up. They go on the road against Georgia and get shut out. Then they come back home, didn't look good against Florida, didn't look great against Tennessee, Almost but at least it. kept that one close, yeah. and then finally finished out the year against an Arkansas team that had quit, and they end up winning that one um, 24-14, but... This was the issue with them last year. Mm-hmm. They go on the road and they just they look like they forgot to show up. They went on the road, but they didn't ever actually get there. <laughs> like they were still in Columbia. Yeah. Um, it was a weird thing last year, and it looks like it has continued over this year. It's going to be something that maybe Eli Drinkwitz just has to get figured out. And the next road game for him is at South Carolina. That's a game they should absolutely be able to compete yep. in. South Carolina is not a great team. After that, you go on the road, like second to last game of the year, against Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. That is not a great team. I think we know now, after what we have seen, despite what they started out with, it was a amazing performance against LSU. That team is not very nope. good. They scored 14 against Arkansas, two points against Kentucky, 14 against Texas A&M. They got shut out today against Alabama, the first time Mike Leach has ever been shut out. 19 again. years, first time. That's not a very good football no. team. So this is the those are two games that Mizzou should absolutely be competitive in, despite the fact that they are on the road. And I think we're going to learn a lot in those two games about whether or not this is a real thing. If Mizzou just, for whatever reason, right now cannot go on the road and put up a good fight. I want to veer away from the game on the field, unless you have something Please. else. Speaking of fighting... <laughs> Um, I'm not a huge fan of the turnover boxing robe. Um, I'm not a recruit, so my opinion doesn't matter, but I'm not a huge fan. Um, but yeah, 
had a little uh, boxing match, had a little kerfuffle at the end of the half. Um, so it was a late hit on Kyle Trask on the Hail Mary. And uh, Florida took offense to it, and uh, Dan Mullen decided to get all antsy about it and run out there and start screaming, and punches were thrown. Lots of punches were thrown. Entire teams basically went out on the field and started fighting each other. Um, very entertaining. No one got hurt, so I can say that without feeling bad about it. Um, my takeaways are that, one, a little bit of an overreaction on Florida's part, but I understand it. Your quarterback got hit late and you want to defend him. Okay, that's fine. I understand it. Overreaction, but I get it. Um, number two, a head coach should never get that heated about that and then run into the middle of the field to encourage that sort of behavior, which running into the middle of the field is encouraging that behavior. You are the grown adult in the room or in the stadium per se. What you do matters, and the rest of the team followed him. So I absolutely put blame on him. Um the suspensions were absolutely warranted. I got to believe that when Monday runs around, <laughs> a couple more Tigers are going to be suspended too. Um, but uh, BK, I just kind of wanted to get your your quick hot takes on the, on the fight on the fight there. So let's start from the beginning. Sure. It was an untimed down and Florida decided to go with a Hail Mary up 20 to seven. I don't have an issue with it. I got no issue with it whatsoever. You want to put the game away right before the half? You want to take a shot? Yeah, fine. Yeah. No problem. You also have to know if you're going to take a Hail Mary up 20-7 to at the end of the half with an untimed down, your quarterback might get hit. <laughs> and the quarterback might get hit late. It's possible. He did get hit late. It was a bad hit. It should have been penalized. Mm-hmm. And that's on the refs. The refs lost control in that particular moment. I'm not even going further yet, but like in that moment... The refs have to flag that. If they did, Florida gets another down. We move forward. Maybe there's a little kerfuffle going back and forth, whatever. But, you know, that thing gets straightened out and they end up going back onto the field and they get 15 yards. They have one more play to be able to end the half. They didn't call the flag. So then I've I've rewatched this probably a hundred times. Yes, you zapruded it. Oh, yes. Tell me more. <laughs> After that. Florida's players start walking off the field. They start walking towards their locker rooms. Missouri's players start walking towards their locker room. Both lockers are on the same side of the field, like same end zone, but on opposite sides of that end zone, right? So they're they're walking that direction. And then Dan Mullen comes in. (laughs) And Dan Mullen starts pointing and screaming and losing his mind and yelling at Drinkwitz. And he's got a coach that's holding them back because he's a big old Teddy Mm -hmm. Tough guy. And he's the guy that gets all everybody all emotional, and now the players react, and they hear Mizzou's players respond to Dan Mullen, and now they're frustrated because they were already mad about the hit, and now they're going to defend their coach, and now we've got a fight on the field. Well, screw you, Dan Mullen. <laughs> you started the damn yeah. thing. Like, what What did you think was going to happen as you ran onto the field like a damn mad madman? That's on you, man. Mm. And then after the game, he's coming out, and he's in his press conference. I don't know if you've seen this yet. He's wearing a uh, he's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the mask that you would typically wear during the middle of a pandemic. Mm. He joined the Zoom call with the media as Darth Vader. Are you freaking kidding me? No, I'm not. He is Darth Vader today for uh, <laughs> Halloween, apparently. He wore that after the game to his uh, press conference. He told the media twice, doubled down on this answer, 
I was trying to get our players off the field. We have a big game next. <laughs> Asked if that escalated the field, Mullen repeated himself. Quote, I was trying to get our players off the field. No, he wasn't. No, <laughs> no he wasn't. You can say whatever you want about Dan Mullen, and he is objectively a very good football coach. The dude coaches offense like very few others in college football. He's a really, really good offensive coach. He's a damn fool. Yep. And what we saw last night or on Saturday night against Florida, right before the half, is why he is so easy to dislike. That guy is not an enjoyable human being to watch. I'm sorry. He's just not. He is really hard to root for, and he was the one that escalated things. He was. Mizzou should not have had the late hit. The refs should have thrown the flag. The teams should have continued going to their respective locker rooms. But Dan Mullen was the voice that escalated that to the place where it never needed to go. Now, that being said, not going to excuse everything that happened there by any stretch. Mark Elutzi should be suspended oh, for what he did yeah. in, in, that, in that scrum. I can't believe he wasn't kicked out of the game. He should absolutely be suspended for what he did. Chad, Chad Bailey, Bailey yeah. should be suspended for what he did in the middle of that melee. Mm-hmm. There are others on the Florida roster. I didn't look them up. I don't care. The Mizzou side of things, the, the, the two biggest offenders were two guys that did not get thrown out. Trey, uh, Trey Williams was thrown out. I would imagine he'll probably be suspended as well. Chad Bailey and Markel Lutze are the two that I could identify after going back and looking at it that th- there's no question about it. They were throwing haymakers repeatedly. Those two guys should absolutely be suspended for what they did. Markel Utzi was in the middle of the scrum going full-blown E-Honda, fast fists, like two du- two dudes at the same time. Like, MVP, guys, MVP. But suspended MVP, too. Because, like, I appreciate you holding down the fort, right? None shall pass. I'm punching everyone in the face. That's going to get you suspended, and that should happen. Chad Bailey, I lost it. Just lost yeah. it. Um, motions happen, man. You're, you're teenagers. I get it. But, like, you can't, can't do that. So they they gone. They gone. Um. Dan Mullen, I'm not going to – I can't qualify his character as a person, and I probably shouldn't anyway. But, like, as a football coach, it's just a garbage co- college football coach. At Mississippi State, uh, when video came out that Jeffrey Simmons uh, punched that woman in the face, knocked her to the ground, punched her in the face repeatedly. You know what he did? Suspended the kid for a game. And then when he was questioned about it on SEC media days, he's like, check out my shoes. Check out my shoes. Right? Calls for a full crowd at the Swamp. Like, yeah, we lost that game against A&M because the, they had a lot of people there. Full house. They didn't. 20,000 people, if that. But called for a full crowd at the Swamp. Gets the virus himself. Gives it to his family. Because his wife, like, kisses every player on the mouth, right? Gets his team the virus. Down, like, 20 players because of their reckless behavior. All right? Goes ahead and sticks his foot in his mouth and says that it's unfortunate that the players get to go vote because it ruins his timing as far as practicing for Georgia. Then he goes and turns around and starts a halftime brawl. Like, I mean, these aren't these aren't opinions. These aren't points of view. These are facts. And the facts say Dan Mullen's a garbage college football coach. Great offensive mind. Terrible, terrible person to be your head coach. But good on you, Florida. Hope you extend him forever. The tough part is uh, uh, everything you just said is 100% accurate. And also, he has Florida in the top 10, and they've been hugely successful under that's him. That's all that matters. And that's all that matters. That's, at the end of the day, 
that's what he's hired for, and that's what he's going to continue to stay gainfully gainfully employed because of. And that's it's how college sports work, man. It's how they work. It's how, it's how the the money makes the world go round. And in college athletics, the way you get the money is by making sure you continue winning. And he does a heck of a lot of winning down there. He for does. Him. He does. So that occurred, and that was unfortunate and whatever. Here's the other thing. Mizzou has been saddled with the worst, the worst TV commentary team for the past, <laughs> what, three games in a row? And I understand it's COVID. I understand the guys aren't all, like, there. And this team was certainly not there. Uh, against Kentucky, they were actually in the booth, but not these guys. Um, SEC hires some garbage, garbage commentating. And that's not to speak of the sideline reporters who are there and doing, you know, working their butts off. But the play-by-play and the color guy, color commentary guy, I should probably watch, phrase that better, yeah. uh, color commentary guy, um, they, they, I don't know if they are rusty or oblivious or bad or what. Because, you know, last week we had the, the team convincing themselves that Tyler Beatty fumbled. This week we got, like, total obvious calls getting wrong. And on top of that, on top of that, former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason – who depth charted his way, depth chart and longevity at his way into the starting spot for one year, gets on the on the call, talks about how Kyle Trask uh, played catch with his girlfriend to stay limber during the, the COVID suspension time, and makes a comment that Kyle Trask's girlfriend probably couldn't catch the football at the speeds that Kyle Trask was throwing it. Can't can't catch those heaters. Listener Kyle Trask's girlfriend is a starting center fielder for the Florida softball team. BK, have you ever played baseball or softball? Not at a high level. No, no. I've, I've played both at very low levels. Trying to hit a softball, impossible. Trying to catch a softball, incredibly difficult. The speeds that those balls are moving, impossibly fast. Don't come on here, Hudson, and tell me that because she's a girl, she can't catch a football. Get that garbage out of here. Not only just in general, but when you know she's an elite athlete, which they are, shut your damn mouth. And all of that aside, even if you just want to go with his football commentary, it was really bad. Um, first of all, can we get a camera crew that knows where the football is? <laughs> More than two can cameras, please? Like, <laughs> like just, can, can we focus on the football and then follow the football because there were multiple plays where I didn't know whether or not the pass was caught. Yep. Multiple. Yep. Not like one or two, like four or five potentially plays over the course of the game that I had no idea what the result of the play was until they said the pass is incomplete. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, was it? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware. How, how close was it? Was it like broken up? How, how did that happen? <laughs> um, I just I didn't know because we didn't get to see it. That being said, like on top of that, I remember one play vividly that kind of just stuck out as a microcosm of what this crew was overall. Connor Bazelak threw a uh, a pass to Damon Hazelton down the sideline. I think this was right towards the end of the first yeah. half. And Hazelton caught it, mm-hmm. or what appeared to be caught it. But it was very clear to anybody viewing the game. He didn't actually catch the football. He clearly did not have control of it when his first foot was down and then his second foot came down. He was in control finally, but he was already out of bounds by the time that second foot came in. 
So it was like, ah, oh, dang, that stinks as a Mizzou fan watching the game. That's a really great catch, but they better hurry up because he clearly didn't catch mm-hmm. that and they called it a catch. Yep. And on the broadcast, they were like, oh, what a catch. You know, that's a first down from a zoo. They're getting themselves right back into this thing, blah, blah, blah. Didn't even mention the possibility that, oh, he might not have actually caught the football. They watched like three reviews of it and were still convinced it was going to be called a catch. Yep. In no way, shape, or form was it close to being a catch. He clearly did not have control of it. So it's one play. It's a microcosm of it all. There were multiple other instances where something like that happened over the course of the game. But can we please just get a solid crew? Please just one time. Just a a crew that is engaged and interested in what they are watching on the field and appear to have a little bit of a clue as to what they are actually watching that'd be real real nice. i think mr mason's exact words on that was like oh yeah he's got left foot down he's got the ball and yeah that's a catch and the play by blake guy's like was he juggling it and mason goes no he got it <laughs> i was like are you freaking kidding me oh my god it just mm, no it was bad it was bad. And I don't know who we're going to get next against Georgia. Um, <sighs> mute it and listen to your local radio station, kids. Um, I don't know what Mike Kelly's on. I know the, uh, a lot of local radio carries it. Just do that instead. They know the team better. They got better calls anyway, so just do that because it's going to be a garbage Do we year. have – I haven't checked, but do we know what the SEC slate is for that Georgia week? Is there, well, is for there two a weeks? game that uh, week? That's a good yeah. question. I don't know. Um, because, I mean, Georgia's a big draw. Mizzou, obviously. I can't imagine that, we're going to be a big draw. on the alternate, but who knows? Uh, SEC, SEC that week. Texas A&M versus Tennessee. Arkansas versus Florida. Auburn and Mississippi State. Kentucky Vandy. That ain't no, going to get a big draw. No. That, that'll that probably be SEC Network Plus. Um. Alabama versus LSU is already slated for 5 o'clock on CBS, so that must be the CBS doubleheader week, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. So it'll probably be Tennessee versus Texas A&M as the early CBS game, Mm -hmm. you would imagine. And Mizzou will probably be either ESPN, SEC Network, or ESPN2 that week. So that could be better. Maybe we get our guy Tom Hart. Hey, I like Tom Hart. He's good. So could be better. Room to improve. Um so, yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a stinker of a game. Like, it, this is a worse feeling than we had after Tennessee, but a similar feeling. But, it, you know, it's different because Alabama was Alabama. We were never going to win that game. Tennessee, you know, put a hurting on us, but we came out of that out of that with, oh, hey, I guess Baselight can do some stuff. Then you had LSU. Then you had Kentucky. And we're feeling good, and then we come back to earth against Florida. So there's not a whole lot that we can hold on to and feel good about. That's okay. That's okay. We weren't we're gonna we weren't gonna win the East. Okay, that was not gonna happen. Um, we can still you know maybe go five and five. Possibly we could do that. Uh, but again, this year is just about proof of concept, building culture, and getting a few wins, which we got. Um, so they've exceeded my or met my goal of two wins. Um, I'm, I'm feeling good about that. I don't really care what happens going forward, except for the Arkansas game. Um, and yeah, I'm just. It sucks to lose. Still, I'm not saying that it doesn't, but uh, you know, if you got to if you got to rebuild and be weird and kind of figure things out, this is a great season to do that. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is the expectation should have been going into this one that they would lose. the The tough part is how it happened, right? Sure. 
Sure. It's not that they lose. It's that they lost 41 to 17 without really ever showing much fight. I mean, the, the offense scored 10 points in this game, you yeah. know, and seven of that came in garbage time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just, it, it's one of those games that you just feel kind of icky coming out of because of that. And now you go into the bye week. Mm. It'd be the, the other thing that stinks, man, is that they've got the bye week this week. Then you go into Georgia. So you basically just have three straight weeks of feeling like crap as a Mizzou fan. <laughs> yeah. After having three straight weeks of feeling really good as a Mizzou fan. So the highs were as high as you can get, and the lows are now really, really low. It'd be a lot different if coming out of this, you get Vandy next week, then you get Mississippi State, then a bye week, and then Georgia, right? the sequencing of the games is also what changes things here. Mm -hmm. So it's rough. It hurts right now. It stinks to be where they are. But if I had told you coming into the season, Mizzou's going to be two and three after playing Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and Florida, we all would have signed up for that. We all would have signed up for it. So despite how rough it is after this game, you got to feel good about the overall first half of the season. And if you want to kind of break this season down into the first and second half, I think that's probably the way we should do yeah. it. They won the first half of the season. They they exceeded any possible expectations that any of us could have had for them. And that's, I mean, that's all we can ask for, man. They exceeded what we were hoping for them to do. And now you hope that they can do the same in the second half. Absolutely. Well said. So we'll see what that looks like. Um We'll come back to you on Wednesday. Uh, we'll record on Tuesday night and we'll walk our way through the bye week and kind of recap what happened this week, <laughs> though you probably don't want to. That's okay. That's why we're here. We're going to give you the, the information you want about the games and, and look towards stuff. So uh, next show is on Tuesday night. Drop it on Wednesday. We'll be back uh, Be back then. But uh, that is the, the post-game show for today. Uh, we appreciate you hanging around and taking a listen. Uh, it'll get better. We keep building. It's going to be fine. And of course, speaking of building and feedback and improvement, we, we always appreciate the downloads, the subscriptions and the feedback. Uh, you can comment, uh, or rate us. We love both. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm Nate G Edwards. He is at BK sports talk. And of course you can follow the rock flagship at rock nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. Like the team will. And uh, until then, bye. See you.